praise the Lord. Actually, I have taught my little daughter. When I say praise the Lord, she has to say hallelujah. <laughs> and when I say hallelujah, she has to say praise the Lord. So could we do that? Can I say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sound like India. That's what in Indian churches we do. Every in the between in the preaching and service or whatever we are doing in the church, the pastors say that, then others they say the different. I mean, the, if you say praise the Lord, then you say hallelujah. Anyway, praise the Lord for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you for giving this uh, wonderful opportunity to share about Good Samaritan Ministry. First of all, I thank the Lord and thank you for the poor church for continuing supporting us for so many years. And through your support, we have been able to accomplish, continue so many things we have accomplished and continue to work towards our visions of Good Samaritan Ministry. You truly make the difference for us and we are extremely grateful I also thank you, all the people who have been sponsoring this ministry. It's not the amount that matter, but it's the meaning behind it the most important. Giving little is better than not giving at all. Even though the smallest gift that you give, it makes a huge difference and huge impact. The effort of, of one person can't move mountains. Your act of kindness has influenced many people's life and age. Probably you see some of the picture and I'll speak a little bit as well. And uh, you really truly blessed uh, to give. And your generous people like you who help us to continue to do what we are doing in India. And not only in Odisha, we also do in different state. state. It is called Andhra Pradesh. And another is called Chhattisgarh. Okay. Good Samaritan Ministry is a Christian faith-based charity. Good Samaritan Ministry help and support orphan, widows, disadvantaged, poor and needy in Orissa and Chhattisgarh and now in Andhra Pradesh. It also provides disaster relief. Above all, we preach good news of Jesus Christ and build churches because Jesus is coming back to not to see the good work we do. He is coming back to receive his church. That is the main message, the central themes that all that we do, he is coming back to take his church. So therefore, all the things that we do one day, it may disappear. When the money does, doesn't come, the children home may disappear. When the money doesn't come, the widow may not sponsor. But when the church is stand, when Jesus is coming, he is receiving the church. And that is the motive behind of this charity. The GSM message is based on the Bible. Our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. How this charity changed people's life? That's a few questions I have made myself. 
So I want to tell you how that this charity changed people's life. You could have seen here a tuition center in Kodogulami. That's my native village. And many of you, those who have been to India, they very well, they know that place and we have stayed overnight. And there, a little boy, I mean, not little anymore, he is 18 years old. His name is Gideon. While he was eight years old, there was a cholera. His mother died. And this boy, he grown up without mother and he became 18 this year. This month, he became 18 years old. And what happened this month, uh, this year? His father died. He was living, literally father and son together they live. But unfortunately, this year in Jan March, those who have been to India, you will know the tree. Behind my house, where we used to sit, nice, shady, big tamarind tree. His father would climb and he fall and die instantly. And this boy, he became hopeless. What to do? Nobody there. Because others, brother and sister, all married and nobody live in the village. And uh, just before, it's God's way, the God's work is miraculous. God's way are amazing. Just before that, is in India, the school are closed for almost nearly two years. And children's, the tuition center we have to close down, the hostel we have to close down, close down because of the COVID. This year, because at the January, February, there was not much COVID, so we thought we will start tuition center back and we will employ him as a teacher. And this boy, he teaches in our tuition center and he get monthly some amount that we sponsor. So you're sponsoring, it goes to a person who is really, really need. And there is another, what we do, what life we change at the Good Samaritan Ministry. There is another pastor here called Soraj Mandal. This pastor, he's been serving many, many years in ministry. He had a, around 60 believers in a village last two, three years back. He lost both eyes. Pastors, he lost both eyes. Many believers, they left. And many pastors and organizations, they left behind. Because what the blind pastor can preach now? Isn't it? Who can't read, who can't see how he will lead a church. And we started sponsoring this guy. He had five children and the last time I saw in two, two weeks back when we had Zoom meeting, doctors set up the phone and they went. So we asked him to speak. Would you like to speak something? Then he can't see, so he can't go to unmute his phone. Then he can hear us. But when he speak, we couldn't hear. I couldn't hear. And this gentleman, he said, I'm so, so, so happy, brother. Don't I was so emotional when I first rang him and when I talked to him and I want to sponsor him. Then 
I was so feel so sad because having this family, beautiful family, and all of a sudden, I mean, he was he had the eye problem, but due to financial crisis, he couldn't go to hospital or anything, and slowly, slowly he became. Now it is completely probably hardly two three percent now he can just if if he want to read Bible he has to off the Bible I mean all the uh, light of the house then with little light he tried to see that's what he said but still he had so much of trouble and what he say that I'm so 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 happy yeah. how was I didn't expect that words to hear for him do you know why? I can now, lot of time, I can pray. The peace of God is with me. What a, we have, I, we, we would not say that. I'm happy after even, he says, I'm so, brother, don't worry for me. I'm so happy. I'm getting all the revelation from God and still I am leading people. There are 60 believers there. Lot of pastor they say against me what the blind pastor can do all that kind of stuff but I'm so happy you know this you're giving it is impact this sort of people you know and uh, like Gideon and like him Suraj Mandel and like that there are so many stories I could keep on I mean I can tell for hours and this that little amount that you give even the five dollar that you give you know it is impacted in a huge way. How this charity operate? This, as I said, this is a faith-based and not for profit. What overcomes in we pass on. And we don't borrow money or not we lend money. As you know, Emily and myself, we work and we don't employ here so that we can have an office so that we can do all. But once we started that, what our little money comes, we'll spend it here. So that's why, no, let's not do that. We will do a little bit extra work, and whatever it comes, we will pass it to the people that need the more. Yeah. Why is this organization important? You know, it's, there is a scripture, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. There Jesus is saying himself that, you know, whoever gives you, a small cold water, he will, in my name, he will not lose the reward. Why this, this is, this scripture, you might have read many times. I have read many times before, but God spoke me in very, very, very different way. See, to give somebody a cold water, how hard? Is it too hard? It's not boiled water. It's not filtered water. It's not from the freezer or fridge. Oh, I mean, it's not from the freeze. Just it's a cold water. In India, cold, you basically you run to the tap and give. And how much you're giving? You're not giving. Rivika gave 10 camel. She, she gave water to 10 camels. That is a lot. But here, Jesus is a small cup of liter. Whom you are giving? You're not giving to the Prime Minister of Australia. Everybody will give. You're not giving to him. Whom you are giving? Bible says the little one, the uncared one, the unwanted one, the homeless one you are giving to him. That's what. When we give that, 
what is the reward is that heaven is recording hallelujah heaven is recording it did god is no reckoning how much money we have in bank account how much we um, i mean spend every day and whatever we have he is not recording bible says the little cup of water the cold cup of water that you give in my name to this little one you will not lose the reward means that's that our act of this little kindness is being recorded in heaven what a what a opportunity to bless somebody if we care mm? that's what that's why this this is the motive behind this organization good samaritan ministry and we are in a unique position to be able to reach into remote villages people in india and there is a picture you could have see the uh, the cast out people a tribal people near raigada this year what happened they were living always they are tribal they have been christian just recently 11 family they cast out from the village they said they the other villages they came together they had a big meeting they said because of jesus these people worshiping our god in trouble they have to leave the village then police went then the commissioner went they tried to convince them you guys you love peace and all the forest and everything is yours why don't you you became give up jesus and you age used to be follow your god so that you can live this village peacefully they did, that was the advice given by government people so then this 11 family they said no we will go away then when we heard when emily and my said we talked we should do something for them because they are living for the faith their village their prop, their house already they don't have a big house but their house are already in the middle of the village you know how in the villages in india how um, the wall to wall you know so it is safe so and already they have a roof and uh, everything is set up already so we talked then we said why don't should we give our land because we have a land we asked will they interested to come to our land then they said no no we do have a little bit land and we have planted the gum tree so these people they plant a lot of lot of gum gum tree after 3 4 years they cut it and they sell to a paper mill there is a big paper mills around where we live so we have a land and uh, we can't leave our land go but we will leave the village and in our land we will construct so during the month of may and june they cut down some of the tree and they starting to do their life there and that sort of people we wanted to help and all your giving is that's why it's so important that i mean all this little money that we give and your giving it goes to our that charity we offered support in jesus name without prejudice which means we offer help despite religious age financial and any background as you know that indian government strictly religious rules but still people you know when a tribal a hindu a poor hindu he will never allowed to go to the temple 
because he is a poor he eat a beef but when they see the being a hindu they don't accept in the temple so there are some sort of like this a lot of uh, issue in the india that's why the poor people when they come to church we accept everybody whether rich or poor we accept everybody that's why people became they became being loved and being cared being looked after their children can come and play with our children all that kind of things but the government is trying their best to control but that's happening in another way you know people becoming more christian and knowing god and we what we do we support widow financially and we also support children's and tuition center as i said the tuition centers as we open because the village children they are not going anywhere within their village they are playing so that's why we thought it is okay to start and we start and nobody complains so much neither the villagers or anybody because we are not bringing somebody from another village to teach them it is within village everything is happening and uh, and we are so blessed this year that since this lockdown and all due to covid as we can't go we started zoom meeting and through zoom meeting every week we preach to these pastors and every week we pray together and it has been personally i'm so blessed you know and uh, every week if you like to join or if you like to share if you like to sing in our zoom meeting you are most welcome and above all age we are talking about the bible school if god's willing as they are saying the school will be open this month sometime so if it is soon after opening we will do the bible college and we support more than 30 pastors now regularly and widows and and the tuition centers and because all this thing happening because of your giving because of your generosity i would like to thank you everybody and i want to please check our website and follow the facebook page and thank you so much for listening thank you just ask Emily to come up as well. We're going to pray for these guys and the work that they're doing. Um I got a chance just the the other week to go to India via Zoom and preach to about 15 pastors and encourage them and it's amazing to see what's happening amongst the pastors and the encouragement that we can give them just by doing that. And um and as a shake said, just remember with good samaritan ministry we as a church support them so part of your giving on a sunday goes to them um but we know that 100% of what we give goes to the people who need it they don't keep any for themselves they don't keep an admin fee or anything like that they give everything they get to the people who need it and um so i would encourage you obviously we as a church support them but if you want to take up that challenge yourself personally and support them and and monthly give them something i would encourage you to do that as well because there's a, a lot of need and it goes such a long way in india but we're going to pray for these guys and pray for what they're doing so why don't we stand to our feet and i'm going to ask damien to come and just pray
Father, we just thank you for the work that these guys are doing overseas. We just pray specifically that you bless them financially. We pray that you bless them with um, with the resources that they need, the time and the energy to be able to continue this ministry, Lord. And again, we just pray that um, that you just bless them abundantly financially so that that money can be spent overseas and can be spread far and wide to be able to um, share your love and your acceptance and your goodness, Lord. And uh, yeah, we just pray for all of those in India as well. We pray that you keep them safe and bless them, Lord. And, and we just pray that you um, bless them with your spirit, that it just be a strong, tangible spirit that they can feel and that there's just no doubt that you are our God. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm back in India. All right. I need my clicker. Awesome. Well, how's everyone doing? It's good. We're going to continue today with our theme of pursuing God. That's what we've been talking about. And it's important to remember when we talk about... Um, us pursuing God, we always remember that it's because God first pursued us. Isn't that right? But the thing is, God commands us and encourages us to seek Him. Our key text in Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what I want to do today is to dig deeper into this scripture and to have a look more deeply at what it means and what it is talking about. I love the way J.B. Phillips paraphrases it. He says, Set your heart on the kingdom and his goodness, and all these things will come to you as a matter of course. Set your heart. Now, in this church, we've talked a lot about heart. I've talked a lot about heart. And we understand that the heart, when the Bible talks about heart, it's talking about the throne room of our life, the throne of our life. It's that place that encompasses our whole life or the place where our whole life is ruled. So it's not just, our heart is not just about the things we like or our emotions. It's, a, it's about our mind and our will and, and our physical actions and our spirit. The heart is that key place inside our lives. So it makes sense, and we've talked about that, whoever sits on the throne of our life rules our life or in other words the way you could say it is whoever has your heart has your life does that make sense and in essence when we read this scripture here this is what jesus is talking about if we look at the context of it in the previous verses because when you you don't often you don't just take one scripture and say base everything on that you look at the scriptures before and after and in the previous verses, Jesus is talking about worry and, and anxiety. And he's saying to us, do not worry, do not be anxious. And he lists the reasons why. Now, everyone knows here that if you tell someone not to do something, it doesn't stop them not doing something. Is that right? Adam and Eve, classic case. Don't eat of the fruit. And they ate of the fruit. I remember Jack when he was little. We were doing some plumbing work at home and we were putting copper pipes in and the plumber and I were there doing it and he was about two or three and the plumber had just welded the pipes or heated them 
And we said, Jack, don't touch that. And we turned around to do something else. And all of a sudden, Jack was, ah! And I'm like, turn around, and there's Jack with a big blister on his thumb because he touched the pipe. Who knows that that's the condition of mankind? If you tell someone not to do something, don't worry. They will worry. That's the reality of it because it sums up the condition or the state that we're in. Because when I sit on the throne of my heart, when I'm in control, when I'm trying to be in control, when self is sitting there, what happens is I become consumed with all my worries and fears because no matter how hard I try, I can't control what life throws at me. Isn't that true? So much of our worry and stress is created by us trying to control what happens around us. We're trying so hard to get everything lined up properly. If I, if I do this, this and this, then I won't have this and this won't happen. And we try so hard. But the reality is that we can't control what life throws at us. And we get worried and stressed about it. But Jesus, like any good teacher, gives us a solution to our worry and anxiety by telling us to seek first the kingdom of God. To seek first God and his kingdom. So what does this seek first mean? What is he talking about when he says seek first? Now if we look at the word seek to start with, in the, in the original language here, it talk, it's talking about searching for something that is lost. It's interesting. Searching for something that is lost, and not just any old thing, but something that is of great value, something that is really important. This type of seeking is characterized by desperation, by a single-mindedness, and where the person is consumed with finding this thing that they have lost. The theologian R.C. Sproul says it this way, Seeking demands an intensity, a perseverance that will not be denied and a zeal to achieve the desired objective. So when Jesus is saying seek, he's talking about this type of single-minded desperation. Now, but Jesus doesn't just say seek. He says seek first. So what is the first talking about? Well, the first in the original language implies first in time, first in place, first in order, and first in importance. The word first indicates the first and most dominant concern. In other words, the most important of all things. So when Jesus is calling us to seek first, it's very clear that what he is calling us to is to have a single-minded intensity to make God and his kingdom the most important thing in our lives. I'll say that again. When Jesus says, seek first God and his kingdom, he's saying we need to have this single-minded intensity to make God and his kingdom the most important thing in our life. In other words, he's doing exactly that. He's asking us to allow him to sit on the throne of our lives. He's asking us to say, God, we make your kingdom and you the ruler of our lives. 
Now, it makes sense to me that if we're going to ask God to come and sit on the throne of our hearts and seek him first, then we need to know who this king we're inviting into our life is. Isn't that right? And that's what, uh, what Jesus is asking us to do when he asks us to seek first God. What he's asking us to do is he's asking us to do whatever it takes to discover who God is, to do whatever we can, because as we know, we became separated from God. We lost God. We got lost. And our aim and our goal now should be to find that thing is who is most valuable. And the incredible thing is that God has done everything that needs to be done by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross and rise again. He's done everything needed for us to have a relationship with him. So this is not about works, but this is about having a single-minded desperation to say, God, I'm going to grasp hold of you with everything I have. I'm going to make you the most important thing in my life. Isn't that right? This is what God wants from us. This is what he's calling us to when he says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's really interesting when Jesus says this, that he doesn't save, say, serve first the kingdom of God, does he? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And this is really important because there is a difference between seeking and serving. Many of us, and I include myself in this, have struggled in our relationship with God because we're so busy doing what we think God wants from us to do rather than taking the time to actually seek him first and know him first and then do what he asks us to do. You see, it it's about making our relationship with God our absolute priority. I said this last week. I said, do we really understand what is required for us to have a relationship with God? Because what Jesus is asking for us and from us at this time is that we would make knowing him the most important thing in our lives. Or as he says in his word, the one thing worth being concerned about because the reality is having a relationship with God means that we would know him and then do what he asks us to do for him this is where the story of Mary and Martha is so significant this is why it's so s important and it's so groundbreaking for them because the Jews had been told by God to love the Lord God with all your heart mind soul and strength but what they had done is they had turned loving God into a list of duties that they had to do. That they had turned loving into serving. And they would put serving before loving. They thought the way I love God is to serve him. But God says, no, I want what I want is relationship with you. I don't want you to serve me. I want you to love me. That's what matters. And the story of Mary and Martha shows this so powerfully and Jesus reminds us what really matters. Let's read it together in Luke 10, 38 to 42. 
As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And the Lord said to her, Dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. How many of us, and I include myself in this, how many of us are like Martha, so worried and so busy doing stuff for God, but we're neglecting the one thing worth being concerned about, spending time in God's presence and learning from him. I believe this series on pursuing God is because we're doing it because God wants to remind us that the most important thing in our lives is our relationship with God, not what we do for God. It's more important than anything else. And this is really hard for us because in our modern society, we love to be active, isn't it? Uh, isn't that right? We love to be busy. Everyone's busy. Everyone's time poor. Everyone is active doing stuff. Even if it's sitting at home watching TV, you're doing something. You're busy keeping up with your shows, binging this and binging that. You're busy doing this. You, you act like there's so much demanding our attention. But in this passage in Matthew 6.33... Jesus is telling us that everything we do for God should be coming from a place of relationship first. That no matter how busy our life gets, whether it's busy doing ministry and busy doing church stuff and or busy doing all sorts of stuff, what Jesus is saying is in God's kingdom it's like this, that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. Now let me explain this with an illustration this isn't my illustration i don't take any any glory for this this is from stephen covey he wrote a bit book called first things he's not a i don't think he's a christian he's a business person but he talks ab the about the importance of first things and he tells this story where a time management expert was speaking to a group of business students and this time management expert pulled out a large wide mouth glass jar and he filled this glass jar with fist sized rocks put lots of rocks into it and he said to the group that he was talking to he said to them once he'd filled it he said is it full is the jar full and the class responded yes and the the man said really then he pulled out a bucket of gravel and he started pouring the gravel into the jar and he shook the jar a bit and the gravel fell down through the gaps between the large stones and then once he had finished doing that he said to them is the jar full and the students were smart they were clever and they said 
they knew what he was on to, and he go, and they all said, "No, no, it's not full." And uh, and he said, "Well done, that's good." And then then he got out a bucket of sand and he poured the sand into the jar and gave it a shake, and it looked like it was full. So he asked the students, "Is the jar full?" And the the students said, "No, no, it's not full because they didn't want to get tricked." And so he's like, "Well done, that's good." And then he pulled out a pitcher of water, a, ju- a jug of water, and he poured the water in and it filled right to the top and then he asked them at this point he didn't ask them if it was full but he asked them what do you think the point of this illustration is and one student said to him and this is probably what many of us would think and this student said no matter how full your schedule gets if you try hard you can always fit more in is that right who's who would respond like that I I can just oh, I reckon I can do a bit more. I can squeeze a little bit more in. But the speaker said no. No, that that is not the point. The point is this. That if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in. If you don't put the big rocks of your life in first, the things that really matter. It doesn't matter how hard you try you will never fit them in. Seek first God and his kingdom. If you don't put those things in first, it doesn't matter how hard you try, you'll never make room for God in your life. So how do we seek first? How do we seek God first? How do we know God? I'm just going to give you quickly... Just three things. This is pretty simple and straightforward, and you all know this, but I believe God wants to remind us of this. Is number one, we seek God and know God through his word. God has given us everything we need to know about God in his word, the Bible. You will never know God if you aren't prepared to seek him in the pages of the Bible. Jesus made this abundantly clear in Matthew 4 during his temptation. Where he was hungry, he'd done 40 days of fasting. The enemy came to him and said, you're hungry, why don't you turn those, you're the son of God, why don't you turn those stones into bread and satisfy your hunger? And Jesus said these powerful words in Matthew 4.4, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus understood that the word of God Scripture is food for our spirits. It will enable us, it will strengthen us, and it will, at the end of the day, help us know God. You see, when we spend time in God's Word, it is literally like sitting down and sharing a meal with God. Get that picture. That when you open your Bible, it's not just to read a nice book. It's actually an opportunity to share a meal with God where he can feed you what you need to know. So if we're going to seek God first and his kingdom, we need to have a genuine, um, we need to spend genuine time in God's word. Now, some of you might struggle with that. Might You might find it hard. Maybe you find it hard to read the Bible. That's okay. These days with apps and stuff, 
Someone else can read the Bible for you. And all you need to do is listen. So if you find it hard to read the Bible, listen to the Bible. It's very simple. If you can't download it, talk to one of these young guys over here. And I'm sure they'd love to help you. But, it, but some of you go, but when I read it, it doesn't make sense. Let me encourage you, find a translation, a paraphrase, like a New Living Translation or the Message or the Passion, where, where it's, it's written in a way that's easy to read. And if you, if you go, but some of it doesn't make sense, and maybe because you're starting in the Old Testament, the best advice I can give you is go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because the Gospels are Jesus' story. And as you read about Jesus, guess what? You're discovering who God is, because Jesus is the perfect reflection of God. He is the image of God. And so if you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. So just read it. But the fact is, if you want to know God, if you want to seek God first, you have to spend time in God's Word. The second thing, this is not rocket science. It's pretty straightforward. The second thing is prayer. Luke 5.16 says, But often Jesus, or Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. If Jesus needed to pray, guess what? We need to pray. If the Son of God needed to pray, we need to pray. A and uh, prayer is a, a sermon on its own, so that might come up in the next few weeks because I believe that God wants to stir up this idea of pursuing Him. That's why we're doing the worship night next week. But maybe there's a, there's a time that's coming where we're going to, as a church, dig into praying a bit more together uh, and seeking God together because prayer is so important. Now, prayer in its simplest form is simply about talking to God and God talking to us, having a conversation. Now, I'll just share with you two concepts of this. The first concept of, of prayer that I'll, I'll share with you is that there is an importance, like the Scripture said, where Jesus withdrew. And there is an importance for us to withdraw sometimes and have time alone with God. It's really really important because just we're doing this marriage thing this afternoon and I'm married to Julie and if I only just lived with Julie and because God's always with us we know that but if if I only just you know lived with her and we just live lives together and and that would be nice but the thing that we need to do regularly is to spend time alone together where it's just me and her, and we've got each other's attention. I actually did this the other day, and I think Julie had a heart attack. But we were sitting in a cafe having lunch, and I asked her how she was going. She goes, are you serious? Are you being honest? Do you really want to know? And I thought, do I? <laughs> and and I, I did, I did. And, and it was nice. But there's an importance of that personal exchange. And you need to know that God wants you to spend time with him alone. It's important. You need to make time for him in your life and in your day. The second thing the Bible teaches us is that we should pray without ceasing. And that means that we understand that if we are Christians, if we have invited God to sit on the throne of our life, it means that God is with us whatever we are doing, wherever we are going. So include God in that. Include him in everything you're doing. Yeah, if you're in the, 
in the uh, car park at West Lakes or Port Adelaide and there's no car parks, pray and ask God for a car park. Apparently it works, my wife tells me. Uh, Elaine agrees. But include God in your everyday life. When I'm going to an appointment or something important, on the way I'd be going, God, give me wisdom in knowing what to say. Give, help me, what, is, what do you want me to say? Because guess what? God wants to communicate with you. God is desiring to, and he is always communicating. He is always speaking. He is always wanting to communicate with us, whether it's in the Bible and you read something and it jumps out of the page, or dare I say, whether you're watching TV and something happens on TV that all of a sudden speaks into your heart. Anyone had that happen before? Guess what? If it's good and if it's beyond your thinking and you think that's too smart for me to think, who, do, who is it? It's God. God wants to communicate with us. I'm not talking about hearing voices and all of that sort of stuff. I'm talking about that inner, uh, inner feeling and inner thought and, and words that are spoken. And especially words that are spoken between each other can be great at encouraging us and building us up. And God uses others, which is my last way that we seek or know God, is through others. That when we sit down, and I talked about this a lot last week, when we sit down and talk with each other and fellowship together and actually ask each other real questions, you will be surprised at how much God speaks through those relationships. Because God wants us to seek his kingdom first together. He doesn't want you to do it alone. The Bible teaches us that iron sharpens iron, that we're in this together, and that through relationships with each other, we discover who God is. And that's why God wants us to be a part of his kingdom. It's not a kingdom with population of one. It's a kingdom with a population of many. That's why he calls us into his family so that we can have many brothers and sisters to help us on this journey. I love what Victor Hugo says, the French, the French author. He says, to love another person is to see the face of God. To love another person is to see the face of God. I want to finish with the one last illustration as we come to a close. And it's a story in the Bible that shows us powerfully God's heart. His heart that he wants us to love him first. And then everything else fits around that. His heart that we would know him and love him and have relationship with him. And then our life would flow from that place of relationship. It's the story of the Apostle Peter in John 21. Now I've just taken fragments of this from the story because uh, it's quite long but this is after Jesus has resurrected after Peter's denied Jesus three times Jesus died then he was resurrected and Peter has seen Jesus before this but it says afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Galilee it happened this way Simon Peter Thomas all these disciples were together and Peter said I'm going out to fish and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out in the boat that, that night and caught nothing. So get this, 
Jesus has called them to be his disciples, but now they've decided, I'm going back to fish. It's like, may, even though they've met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus before this, they're still going out fishing. Now, maybe they just wanted some fish to eat. I don't know. But Jesus said, you're no longer going to be fishers of fish. You're going to be fishers of men. And, and then, then um, it says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And they did, and they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Anyone recognize this story? Because this is what Jesus did when he called them as disciples. It's exactly the same story. So in my mind, Jesus is wanting to remind them of what he's called them to. Then it goes on to say, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water, as only Peter could do. Uh, You know, just goes for it. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed... They saw a fire burning of fire of coal burning coals there with fish on it and and some bread. And then I uh, skipped a bit. They had a breakfast together, and then Jesus, a little bit later, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's he talking about? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than what you're?" doing do you love me more than what i called you away from doing and peter said to him yes lord he said you know that i love you and jesus said feed my lambs again jesus said simon son of john do you love me and he answered yes lord you know that i love you and He said, Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So that's twice. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So the third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said. And um, he said, Lord, you know all things. This is Peter saying it. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then he says a whole lot of other stuff. But at the very end of this conversation, he says, then he said to him, follow me. In this situation, what did Jesus ask first of Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? What mattered to Jesus was not what Peter had done didn't matter to Jesus that he had denied him three times it didn't matter to Jesus that he was fishing in a boat when Jesus had told him that that's not what he was to do anymore Jesus didn't care about that Jesus question to him was do you love me God wants us to love him first our doing means nothing if it's not done 
out of a love relationship with God. This is what seeking God's kingdom first is all about. We love God first and we serve him second. Too often, and I'm speaking from my own experience, so don't think I'm pointing fingers at anyone, we fall into the trap of doing for God rather than actually being present with God, sitting at his feet and learning from him, taking the time to be alone with him. I believe God is wanting to reach out to us, church, and I say it to us as a church. And what he wants to ask us this morning is, do you love me? Do you love me? And I know many of us will say, and, uh, and it's true, we, we, we can say it with it all out, of course we love you, God. And maybe some of us are thinking, don't you see what I'm doing for you? I'm living everything, I'm doing everything for you. But Jesus would go on to ask, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than what you do for me? Do you love me more than ev anything else? Do you love me? Because God wants us to love him first. And from that place of love with him, that's where he will then show us what he wants us to do for him. Do we love him more than these? This is the question that Jesus is asking. This is what he's calling us to this morning. Do we love him? Have we got the big rocks in the jar first? The things that really matter. Have we got things in the order they need to be? Just ask you to bow your heads in prayer. doesn't come across as condemning or anything like that. This is not what it's about. But I think sometimes we need to recalibrate and remind us what really matters. We get so busy doing stuff and doing life that we forget the thing that really matters, the thing that really counts. So this, this morning is an opportunity for us to focus on him, to put our whole attention on him, to make him the first thing, the most important thing, the thing worth being concerned about. I'm going to ask Jack to sing the bridge of this song. And I want to encourage you that as you feel ready to respond to Jesus this morning, imagine that he's standing in front of you saying, do you love me? How will you respond? Maybe the words of this song will help you respond, but can I encourage you to respond? 
to respond to him and make your commitment to seek him first. This is not about a works program because God's done it all for us. He's made everything available. It's about grasping hold of everything he's done and saying, I want that with everything I have. I want a relationship with him with everything I have. So when you feel comfortable as Jack sings, respond as you feel you need to respond. You might want to stand and sing the words of this song or you might want to just pray where you are and say, God, I love you and I want to know you more. I want to make you my absolute priority. You do what you need to do. That you would be the passion of our life. That you are our all in all. You are the one thing worth being concerned about. God, we give you our whole lives. And we commit to seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. To making you the the single-minded desire of our life. To know you and to be close to you. To live in a love relationship with you. And to do everything out of that love we have for you. Not out of duty, but out of love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing. And we love you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.